Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Pella Window and Door of Georgia, viewed to be the best. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. So a couple of things from the news over the course of the last couple of days kind of got me thinking. First of all, our buddy Chip Towers from the AJC wrote within the last couple of days, I forget when it was, that uh, Darian Kendrick, the former Clemson defense back who's transferred to Georgia, remember that weapons charge marijuana incident that he had up in his home state of South Carolina? That charge had been expunged off his record. This was expected, I think, to be true, uh, but it has now, I guess, become official in, in based on Chip's reporting there from the AJC. So it would appear that all is good to go with Kendrick when it comes to transferring from Clemson, arriving in Georgia, and really being expected to be one of the impact players for Georgia here this year. And that's kind of a trend, a little bit of a theme for Georgia this upcoming season, because much the same way you expect a big contribution from Kendrick, the transfer cornerback, you also expect big contributions from other players there as well. Didn't I see Mike Griffith write about this at dognation.com sometime over the course of the weekend that I guess pro football focus has former LSU transfer Eric Gilbert now a wide receiver at Georgia and defensive back uh, Tyke Smith a transfer from West Virginia that pro football focus actually has those guys listed as I guess the highest rated players for Georgia here this upcoming season so if you kind of think about those ideas kind of connected together that some of the most high-profile players for Georgia here this upcoming season Darian Kendrick is commonly mentioned as a potential first-round pick, you know, probably even more so than potential, expected first-round pick may be the better way to say that in the 2022 NFL draft. Tyke Smith could be, certainly an All-American from a year ago. Eric Gilbert, you know, just gushed over by pro football focus that some of the most important players for Georgia here this year will be transfer players. Now, that's a good thing. That's not a bad thing, but it is important to note that real football is not fantasy football. You know, in, in the world of fantasy football, you just cut you know, collect all the good players that you can. They don't actually have to play together. There's no such thing as team chemistry in fantasy football. So how certain players work with each other and how certain players bond together doesn't really matter all that much. But the University of Georgia, this is more than just kind of the fantasy scenario of, hey, just bring in enough talent, bring in a bunch of good players, roll the ball out there, and 11 guys on offense, 11 guys on defense, they will figure it out and find a way to get it done. Sometimes it's actually not quite so simple. Now, the good news about all of this is it certainly seems obvious that Georgia coach Kirby Smart is very aware of this. The reason why, and I'm not saying that he was foreshadowing the arrival of the three players I just mentioned, but just the general idea that how talented players play together matters almost as much, if not more so, than how talented players play. That that the notion of team chemistry, guys working together, buying into a team concept, it's fairly obvious that's been important to Kirby Smart now for quite some time because I want to go back to like the very beginning of spring practice when Kirby Smart when he was speaking at the time this is going back to like say March was talking a lot about what's going on between players ears and working and bonding together and we were left to kind of fill in the blanks ourselves is exactly why that might be I have suggested out loud a couple of times that in a year in 2020 when 
COVID protocols made it necessary not to get players together too much, more so than necessary. We see this with Bubba Watson even going to the British Open next week. Um, that, you know, last year you were just kind of forced to to keep guys apart from each other because you didn't want contact tracing to knock out half the team in the event somebody tested positive for COVID. That as you reboot for 2021, now it's time to bring a team back closer together again, giving them something to bond around, giving some, some them something to rally around. And Georgia punter Jake Camarda, when he spoke to reporters at the very beginning of spring practice, did talk about this a little bit about what the message from the coaches was right now and what Georgia was working on from a mental standpoint when spring practice started. This is interesting from Jake Camarda, and it takes us somewhere we need to go today. Here's Jake. We're really working on, you know, our mindset kind of stuff right now. So just having the right mindset, you know, getting to know each other. And uh, just really, you know, form together, form a, a nice family bond on this team. So uh, I would, I'd probably say something around in there. Any idea why they might be focused on that? Yeah, you know, we we feel that you know the teams that are super close are teams that are able to make big runs. And um, you know, there's nothing more important than you know getting to enjoy, you know, being out on the field with uh, your brothers and your coaches and and just getting to know each other. And when you know everybody that you're playing with and when you're really tight with the guys next to you, it's just going to make you play harder for them. And so we're just trying to, to really, you know, continue to have that kind of culture here. I think it's really interesting. Jake and Martin says, we figured out that the teams that go on big runs are teams that are super close. So we want to make sure that we're one of those kinds of teams. We want to make sure, you know, we are that a super close team that bonds together, that that really enjoys living together, because that's essentially what all these players do. Some of them actually do uh, truly physically live together, but I'm sure the rest of them feel like they all live together because they're always meeting in the same room, eating in the same spot, everything else. And those teams that enjoy that being around each other, Kamarda says Georgia coaches have kind of figured out those seem to be the kind of teams that go on big runs, which to me totally makes all the sense in the world now here's what's just natural and this is kind of human nature that for guys like eric gilbert and the two guys in the defensive back situation darian kendrick and tyke smith the idea that they would show up on campus already having that bond with other georgia players human nature would just dictate that is not an easy thing to do right i mean it takes a lot <laughs> there's no such thing as fast old friends right it, it takes a long time to develop two true genuine bonds when you're talking about people who just showed up and arrived. Uh, so that kind of team chemistry is going to be a little bit of a challenge for George. So the question becomes, well, then how do you build that if you've got key contributors like Gilbert on offense and like uh, uh, Kendrick and, and Smith on defense who are truly just transferring in here and, and just now getting acquainted with Athens? And this is where I think the answer to this is really important. And this is the thing that I think the Georgia fans ought to be really happy about that what Kendrick and Tyke Smith and Eric Gilbert, guys like that, what they are arriving at at Georgia is a culture that is already firmly in place. And it's a culture that's put together by and, and held together, maybe is a better way to say that. It's a culture that's held together by certain players that maybe we don't talk about on a show like this quite as much as we as, as we should. That the spine that kind of keeps the structure of Georgia football in place are the guys who've been here for a while. And one of the things we have said on this show many times before is, is that Georgia fans ought to be very grateful for the Georgia players that don't just cut and run the moment something 
like adversity strikes or the moment they don't get quite as much playing time right away as they probably want for players who choose to say, you know what, I'm going to persevere and I'm going to stick this out and I'm going to be a part of something special at Georgia. I want to be a part of something that's bigger than me. All of a sudden, when players do that, they're I think becomes kind of a contagious form of buy-in around that possibly, but at the very least, it provides the framework for a culture that when you do have transfer players like Darian Kendrick or transfer players like Tyke Smith or transfer players like Eric Gilbert, you give them some sort of structure there that they then have a chance to buy into. That if you don't have veteran players who hang around a program and and, and want to be a part of that program, who want to truly believe that the program is something special, then you've got no beacon for guys who are transferring into the program to look towards as they try to figure out what does it mean to be a Georgia Bulldog and play for UGA. So with that in mind, I want to play something else for you. Georgia put out a really cool like message on uh social media instagram twitter everything else and they've been highlighting a lot of the upperclassmen veteran type players in the roster the latest to kind of get that treatment was defensive back amir speed and speed said some cool things in the video but i want to highlight one portion of the video i want to play the audio of this of amir speed a veteran player who was a part of the 2017 signing class which all of a sudden seems like kind of a long time ago Speed, a part of the 2017 signing class as he now gets ready to move into his final year at uga and really be a part of what could be a big role in this Georgia defense this year. Listen to the love that Amir Speed has for the University of Georgia, his place on this team, his spot on that roster. This is beautiful stuff from Amir, and I think this matters as Georgia tries to cultivate the kind of team chemistry that Jake Kamara described a little earlier here as Amir. The standard is everything we make it. We just want to be the best of us that we can be. When we have passion and love for the game, that brings a whole other level and makes you even better at what you're doing. I just always want to find a side of passion for my boys. Every time they catch a pick, I'm just like, okay, okay, I got to give them, I got to give them. One, I just want to be a good teammate. I want to be able to, like, be that helping hand. It's just dope realizing that, like, like I'm playing in front of 93,000 people. Lights out. Ooh, and everybody's arms up. It's definitely one of my favorite experiences. You know, just the friends and families that I've made being here. That G, like, it's a part of me now. That G is a part of me now. I love that from Amir Speed. I also like, you know, he talks about the joy that he gets about being on the field himself, playing in front of 93,000. But did you notice this? And this was a part of the audio that may have been a little bit more difficult to hear. He also said that he loves grabbing those Savage pads and putting those pads on his teammates. Many of you are aware the Savage pads, like the shoulder pads with like the spikes on them, uh, are kind of the trophy that you get on the sideline if you force a turnover. And we see that be a big part of Georgia games all the time. Not only does Amir Speed love getting cheered himself in front of 93,000 people, he also likes putting the Savage pad on one of his teammates. Folks, that's how team chemistry is established. And you can't establish that with somebody who just showed up, whether it was a true freshman straight out of high school or a transfer who just arrived here because Georgia all of a sudden now kind of looks like the, the place to be. You're glad to have talented players like that, but it's your veteran presence. It's your experienced players. It's your guys who came here and have stuck around here and enjoy being here. Those are the guys who really build up your team chemistry. And you got to have them. And it sounds like in the case of Amir Speed, Georgia's got itself a good one. He's not the only one, but he's a good one to highlight here today. So as you think about Georgia and its championship hopes for the upcoming season, don't just think about talent and how it overcomes the opponent on the other side. Think about chemistry and how those Georgia players all come together to play together and be a part of something bigger than themselves. That seems to matter for UGA. They talked about that this spring. and We may see the results of all of that play out a little later this fall. 
My name's Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans, presented today by Pella Window and Door of Georgia, and great to have you with us. No matter how you get to us today, all kinds of video platforms to check out the show, podcast, radio, much the same way. Our friends at Athens Sports Radio 960, the ref there as well. We're just really happy to have you a part of this and looking forward to a fun show here today. It's John Stinchcomb coming up later on, a little recruiting talk here in just a second there as well. Also, some fun and surprises before we're done here today, too. So we've got a lot of ground to cover. Big thanks to our friends at Pella Window and Door of Georgia for, of course, making it all possible. Pella Window and Door can help equip your house with energy-efficient windows and doors. That matters. Makes your house look better on the outside. Makes it feel better on the inside. It keeps the energy where it's supposed to be. This time of year, that means air conditioning. It's not creeping out the crevices of your worn-out windows and doors. It's staying there, right there where it's supposed to be, where you pay for it to be, inside the home. Pella Window and Door of Georgia also offers you great savings there as well. Uh, you can currently replace all your windows uh, with payments as low as $99 a month. That's based on a $10,000 purchase at 84 months if you qualify, of course. So that's great savings. Pella is a nationally known company, means you get unparalleled resources. There's a locally owned branch right here in Georgia, though, which means you get unrivaled service. One of the reasons why I love recommending them. In fact, please tell them that I told you about them and I told you they would take good care of you because I know they will. Here's a couple ways for you to get in touch. You can give them a call, 678-638-1496. I'll say it again because I have a tendency to speak a little fast. 678-638-1496 or the website, PellaofGA.com slash DogNation. PellaofGA.com slash Dog Nation. Just please do me a favor. Let them know that BA from Dog Nation Daily sent you to them, and I'm sure they'll be happy to hear about that. All right, before we get John Stinchcomb, I want to do a quick version of Around the Doghouse here today. And of course, it's assisted today by our friends at AAA. And over the weekend, we saw something kind of interesting. Five star defensive tackle Walter Nolan, whose recruitment has been a little bit of a roller coaster ride, and it's certainly been interesting to follow, maybe in many ways reminiscent of the way all of the 2022 cycles playing up thus far well the latest chapter on nolan is the release of a top five here now walter nolan uh puts this out there you see tennessee in that spot florida who at one point in time had generated a lot of chatter in this recruitment along with georgia michigan and alabama so georgia right there in the mix on all of this they get the middle logo down at the bottom but to the top left when it comes to the actual uh, uniform graphics above that so you can i guess kind of do with that what you will alabama gets the center uniform graphic but the far right when it comes to the logos down to the bottom once again i guess you can parse that however you want to but it does kind of bring to mind for us here on this show something we've talked about quite a lot which is the the relationship that georgia has with the defensive line position here for the class of 2022 we know it's a key position and we know it's a a position that has featured a lot of names. There's been a revolving door of names we've discussed around all this, including guys like Barry Alexander, who were once UGA commits, but uh, Alexander's obviously since decommitted. I guess this is one of those things where honesty compels you to admit that it seems like some of those big names, you know, Mikel Williams is not committed to USC, and you know who knows what Krista Miller is kind of heading there at this point in time. It seems like that list of big names may have winnowed just a bit. I want to go back to Friday's show here where – on the one hand, we got some really good news from Jeff Sintel in relationship to Nolan, Georgia being a big factor in this recruitment. Maybe some bad news in terms of some of those other names that we used to mention alongside Walter Nolan. Hear this from Friday. Maybe you've already heard it, but as a chance to to revisit this and decide for yourself, is this optimistic or pessimistic when it comes to Jeff Sintel, our Dog Nation Recruiting Insider's assessment of the Georgia defensive line situation? Here's Jeff. 
it's really a Travis Shower, Walter Nolan type thing there for the defensive line room at Georgia. The way this year started out with, you know, thoughts of getting a lot of, you know, multiple five stars across the front. If Georgia simply ends up with a top five prospect in the nation's number one defensive tackle in Walter Nolan, I hope folks will realize that's still a pretty good haul coming into the boat. That's a pretty good trophy to go up on the prize for uh, Trey Scott and his recruiting. And it took a lot of consternation and a lot of work to get there. If Georgia eventually gets there with a recruiting process for Nolan, that's still going to involve Alabama. It's going to involve Florida. I think Georgia's right in the midst of that, too. I think it's going to be lost on folks that, you know, Nolan, should he wind up at Georgia, would be higher rated than Alexander, higher rated than Williams, higher rated than Shaw, higher rating than everybody, rated than just about everybody in the class. But I think folks were maybe even even expecting a little more for the defensive line room in 2022. So I think that's a matter-of-fact assessment from Jeff Sintel, and it's probably worth considering that some of the names that we want seemingly connected to Georgia and its defensive line recruitment from the class of 2022, maybe we're not doing that quite as much as we once were. But in the case of Nolan, who includes Georgia in his top five, it sounds like Jeff believes that UGA is a true, real player here. Listen, if obviously if you win with Walter Nolan, you have nothing to complain about there. Also interesting, if you hear the full interview with Jeff Sintel, it almost sounds like Jeff maybe believes the chance – I don't want to put words in his mouth. You go back and listen to it for yourself and see if you come away with the same conclusion. Maybe Jeff believes Georgia's chances with Nolan may be a little greater than they are right now with Travis Shaw, who's obviously getting a big push from the in-state school North Carolina there on that. So pretty interesting stuff. Revisit that on Friday's show if you want to hear all of Jeff's remarks regarding the current state of Georgia's defensive line recruitment. But for uh, now, the thing to know – Walter Nolan releases his top five. Georgia right there in that discussion. It sounds like UGA is a real player in this battle. That is Around the Doghouse. It's assisted today by our friends at AAA. I was traveling a lot here this weekend. I went to the NASCAR race on Sunday. Of course, that's a pretty good little drive from my house. And my wife and daughter were trans- uh, tra- traveling a little bit too, doing their own thing yesterday afternoon. So anytime we're on the road, anytime my wife and daughter are away from me, I'm always thinking about you know, the fact I want them to be safe on the road, right? That's where AAA comes in. I know them for for taking care of us with their roadside assistance. But as I've been telling you now for a while, when you think about AAA, I want you to think about more than just that and more than just like the hotel discounts and all the features and benefits you get when you become a AAA member. I want you to think about auto insurance because here's something you may not be aware of, that when you switch your auto insurance to AAA, those who do save on average $529. So go to this website, AAA.com slash auto insurance. That's aaa.com slash auto insurance. Then after that, once you see everything that's available to you, you'll make the right decision. You'll switch and save with AAA today. Before we are done, I guess an era is coming to an end here at Sanford Stadium, which I think is kind of interesting. Some of you won't care about it all, but I think it's kind of interesting. Uh, so we'll talk about that before we're done. A lot of weird news around the SEC. But before that, good enough to spend a little time with us on his vacation. Always great to get some insight from John Stinchcomb. So let's do that right now with the former George All-American here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Pella Window and Door. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com Insider. So we'll say hello to John Stinchcomb here today. Certainly appreciate his time, obviously enjoying some time with his family. And so we're always grateful that he'll share some of that with us. John, I do hope the sunshine's treating you well right now. Hopefully you're going P, uh, what was it, as SPF? Hopefully you release SPF <laughs> 70 out there in those uh, sunny rays. 
Yeah, I, I got the 50 working in a strong two-hour rotation, trying not to toast this pale skin of mine. See, that's the thing I'm not so good at is I've actually – now, when I was in my 20s, I don't think I spent $5 on sunscreen for that entire decade, <laughs> which people should not do. Uh, they, people should take care of their skin. I'm just saying I didn't. But now I'm pretty good about putting sunscreen on. I'm probably not as good about reapplying it as I probably should be, but as far as I actually putting it on the mornings, I at least do that now, which – is maybe the example that we're adults, the fact that we think about sunscreen and things like that. I guess that's a true threshold being crossed here. We truly are adults now. Yeah, and, and now we're responsible for more than just our own that's skin. I think a, a factor of that is when you have to apply to the kids. You think, well, geez, if I'm if I'm giving them some, probably wouldn't be a bad idea to retouch the shoulders. No, I think twice. that's a good point. No, I think that's absolutely a good point. Uh, one of the things I talked about before you joined us was, so I'm a big believer in this, John, that, I think sometimes we are guilty of overlooking certain Georgia players because, you know, listen, I'm as guilty of this as anybody. You know, you get fixated by the new guy that just arrived, the transfer player, or the five-star recruit. I mean, you know, there's a lot of, like, big above-the-marquee headline names at a place like Georgia, and I am prone to be distracted by all the new shiny things that kind of come rolling through here. But the real backbone of a program, and I think you know this yourself as having been a football player at the big-time college and the NFL level, are those players that are kind of the veteran presence, that provide you that, that institutional memory, that they know how things need to be done. And in the case of a player that I talked about before you join us, a guy like Amir Speed, who Georgia highlighted in a recent social media video talking about his love for UGA and the pride that he gets, you know, wearing the G and being out there in front of 93,000 fans. And to me, John, more so than the exciting new players who kind of arrive on the scene, it's those guys who've been here who, given the choice of maybe going to an easier route somewhere else, chose to stick it out at Georgia. And, you know, to me, it's players like that that form the nucleus that other players get a chance to rally around. And I think for Georgia, as it looks to try to win a championship this year, We'll talk about a lot of folks, but you got to talk about those other guys that that just make make it all possible, that, that, that provide the chemistry that can fuel all of this. And I think a guy like Speed is certainly maybe an example of that. When you look at any program that's trying to create identity or maintain identity, it, it, it takes consistency. And I think that's what you know, guys like Amir Speed that have been a part of the program as long as they have, that you have carryover. So you get the new guy, the new – five-star shiny toy that folks get excited about but really when you're creating culture when you're creating identity when you're trying to maintain those things as well you got to have consistency and when you have a backbone when you have that nucleus of of guys that know your system that know the expectations and how you get things done um it helps for the for the new guy as he comes in to say this is the this is the georgia way this how we go about things. Now, with that said, I, I still think Amir Speed and there's some other guys that probably are slightly less heralded as uh, some of the new five-star recruits and guys that have signed in the last class or two that, that still have some good opportunity to help yeah. the team. It may not be in a, a marquee way, but it certainly is uh, opportunities for them to contribute and in meaningful ways. And, and I think that's important. It's not always... Um, the, the the primary or flashy position, but you have to have guys that are willing to do the dirty work, and each team needs uh, players really across the board that have the aptitude and, and willingness to contribute however the team asks. 
Well, at the risk of turning this into the Amir Speed Show, let me just say one more thing uh, about this. In the case of Speed, you know, the other the other thing that he mentioned in the video that we played a an audio clip from, and we didn't have time to play this, but he talked about being six three. And here's one of the things about Amir as a player that I think sometimes gets a little bit overlooked is the fact that. You know, a lot of Georgia fans may not quite realize what he looks like in a uniform. If you made a list of guys that just look good in a uniform, Amir would certainly be one of those guys. So I would also suggest that for this upcoming year, you know, you would assume that Darian Kendrick is going to likely start at one of those cornerback spots just because he's a credentialed player. And then you have this competition over on the other side for a, a younger player like a Jalen Kimber or Keely Ringo. But to me... A guy like Amir Speed, I believe, is very much in that competition. I expect to hear some of that this summer. I have no idea how it's going to work out, really, at any position. I'm going to be slow to make any kind of bold prediction about much you know, regarding playing time and starting spots and things like that. But, John, in terms of being more than just a locker room guy, I absolutely believe that Amir Speed's also a candidate to do that as well. Well, Speed and Brinny, throw yeah, that name in for there, sure. of, of guys that you saw in the bowl game that contributed when – you know, there's some shakeup at various positions, and let's let's mention the fact that in today's game, uh, offenses throw out so many multiple receiver sets that it helps to have more than just three or four quote unquote cornerbacks that can step in and play at a high level. Just there's there's so much uh, diversity that you see in ways that teams are attacking, and when you've got a, a defensive back that's six three and can prob- probably move into the slot and cover some of those um, either the quick twitch receivers or also those tight ends that they flex out into that position, uh, that gives you that flexibility to match up better with whatever the opponent's throwing at you. Let me bring you in on a conversation that was kind of a little bit hot last week, and at some form. At some time or the other, we've probably discussed this before, but this got a lot of chatter last week, where ESPN re-released its football power index. That's its analytics preseason rankings, and George is only fifth in those rankings. And I'll put only in air quotes, because if you're in the top five of an analytics preseason poll, you're absolutely a short-list national championship contender. But ESPN's explanation for why George was only fifth in comparison to teams like Alabama and Clemson is because of what it described as a little bit of a short small sample set for JT Daniels only four games as a starter a year ago and that I'm reading between the lines here to say this but the presumption is for a Georgia offense that hasn't always been explosive that may be seeing a little more than just four games from Daniels is appropriate before you make any kind of proclamation about how good the Georgia offense is going to be how much did you see from Daniels a year ago and how much do you still think he needs to prove for this upcoming season well, let me start by saying I think fifth is a great spot to be in. I, I think that's wonderful for if I'm a coach, if I'm a vested interest or party in this season, I don't want to be one or two. Give me five. That, that lets everyone know, hey, I'm a contender, I'm in the hunt. But i still got something to prove, and Georgia definitely checks all those boxes. They have something to prove. They, we, ha- we are not the proven commodity that Clemson and, and, and Alabama have been for – the past however many years so uh, you you don't want to be that front runner that georgia at times has been accused of of you know they that they get these high rankings but never live up to the billing i'd much rather be the underdog and underdog at five is is, (laughs) it's hard to really consider it an underdog (laughs) but when you're talking about Looking at for it to be number one, man, that's a good spot to be. Oh, we're not getting the respect. Okay, go prove it. Go prove it. So uh, JT Daniels is a guy that we, we don't have a huge sample pool 
of, of games and experience, at least not in red and black, um, to, to judge him on. But what we do, I was very impressed. Every challenge that we faced, I felt like he stepped up and uh, answered the bell in a, in a very meaningful and, and great way that Georgia fans should see some uh, bright lights and hope from uh, from what we get from the quarterback position heading into this year. Well, here's the other thing that's really fun, and we'll finish with this, John, is that in the same story, you know, kind of highlighting the you know the upcoming season based on those same preseason ratings that I mentioned before. ESPN actually has Georgia playing in three of the twelve most important games this year based on who's ranked where according to this FPI preseason ranking. And so, if you have to prove something, doing it in the game against Clemson Week One and a couple weeks later on the road at Auburn, you can attest as much as anybody that Jordan Hare Stadium can be a challenging place to play. It was one of the highlights of your college career. I'm assuming the 2002 win against Auburn, of course, the role you played and all that at halftime, which we've talked about before, and October 30th against Florida. I mean, if 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 Georgia so-called you know has something to prove here this upcoming season. Between the start of the season and October 30th, you're going to play in three of the biggest games of the year. That seems like a pretty good chance to go out there and prove it right there, right? How exciting is that? Georgia gets to play in 25% of the top, yeah. top 12 games of the year. Man, that's that's great, and that's the way it should be. I think you earn the opportunity to play important games, and Georgia has done that, and there's there's here's great opportunities throughout the season, starting off with week one to prove that, that you're the power that you uh, want to be and claim to be and uh, will need to prove week in and week out. So obviously the Clemson game is, is important and can set the tempo for the entire season, but there's still a lot of football left after week one. So um, it's, man, exciting for Georgia fans. You know, every time you look at the, the calendar and say, what are the big games? It's nice to be a part of a program where there's multiple big games, and you can look at the the matchups and say, uh, I, "I need to carve out three and a half hours of, of my Saturday because I'm not missing this one." Yeah, no doubt about that, uh, John. As I said before, but in all seriousness, thank you so much for spending this time with us here today. I hope you enjoy the vacation with your family here. Uh, you've certainly earned some time off, so relax, take it easy, and have some fun. And then we'll look forward to speaking to you here and talking some football and Dog Nation Daily presented by Palo Window and Georgia, uh, of Georgia very soon after that. Always a good time, B.A. Go dogs. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. All right, y'all, let me take care of a little bit of business here for a moment as we get ready to roll into our SEC Through. We are kicking off today a really fun promotion, and this is going to be one of the coolest things I think we've done here for a while because I think it's timed perfectly with the start of school rolling in here, but also this is just an amazing giveaway. There's sometimes when I, you know, tell you the stuff that's going on here around Dog Nation where in my back of my mind I'm like, boy, this is pretty cool i wish i was eligible to win but in this case i am not eligible to win what i'm talking about here today is our five-star kids promotion it's presented by our friends at kroger and if you want to kind of follow along with what i'm about to tell you if you'll just go to the like the top of the page at uh, dognation.com or very near the top of the page up there at dog nation you can find out more about the five-star kids promotion this is in a lot of ways very similar to the five-star moms thing we did back for mother's day 
which was really cool and, and such a good time. But the five star kids thing is going to be amazing. We're actually going to give out five of these, uh, you know, these winners who are going to win a collection of gift cards. This is actually uh, really amazing. We're going to select these randomly, of course, but we do want to hear your story about why your child is a five star kid, why they deserve to be honored. Because listen, uh, y'all hear me talk about my kids all the time. I'm sure some of you get tired of hearing me talk about my kids. We all love talking about our kids. This is a great chance to do that because the honest truth is in our you know, audience, there are some really amazing kids, really amazing, you know, families who, who watch their kids do really cool and great things, big Georgia fans, but also just, you know, great folks in the community there as well. So we want to honor some of those stories here, there as well. And by honor, I mean, honoring, you're going to get a hundred dollar gift card from Kroger's, a Kroger, a $50 uh, gift card from Domino's, $50 gift card from Amazon's, $50, I don't know why I keep putting S's on these brands that don't have them. $50 uh, gift card to Amazon. A $50 gift card to Dick's Sporting Goods. It's $250 for the gift card to like some awesome places. Uh, and those are going to be our winners. But if that's not enough, how about this? We're also going to draw 50 names. Uh, and of those 50 names, they're going to get a chance to win a five-star kid Dog Nation t-shirt. This is a special Dog Nation t-shirt five-star kid this is a really really cool thing i know my kids would love to have one of those so the contest is open now and it's going to run through july 22nd so you got to kind of get in quick on this get your uh get your entry in there and then we'll start announcing the uh, grand prize winners the week of july 26th so please go to dognation.com find out more about that you can also go to the email address info at dognation.com go ahead and submit your entry there this is going to be a fun thing i cannot wait to tell you some of these stories in the air because i already have a sense we're going to get some really good ones plus as i said before what a amazing prize package available for our five-star kids here on all of that i'll also very quickly say this speaking of kroger one of the sponsors of our dog nation invasion if you were on our waiting list for dog nation invasion what was they saying the old pro wrestling broadcast we moved some camera positions around a little bit so i think we've made room for a few more people so if you are on the waiting list and i have no idea how many people are on the waiting list and how many spots we can actually fill here so i'm gonna have to sort of step back on that but if you are on the waiting list Keep your ear to the ground. You may be hearing something here pretty soon on the idea of maybe still getting in on that. I don't know if we can take more names on the waiting list. I honestly don't know that. I'm assuming the answer is probably no on that. But if you are on the waiting list and you're hoping to get in, we may be able to do something for you there on that. So stay close. You may be hearing from Dog Nation really soon on that. All right. That's all the business taken care of. Let me move on now to the SEC through here for a moment. And a couple of interesting things going on. Not all of it good. Very weird story uh, published by the Kansas City Star of the Weekend involving Les Miles' tenure as Kansas coach. Of course, uh, Jeff Long was also his athletic director. This is like a double SEC tie. Long at one point in time was athletic director at Arkansas. Miles, of course, national championship winning coach at LSU. And pretty tough allegations here uh, about a player who was apparently, according to his own uh, point of view, his own allegation, getting some rough treatment from other Kansas players. And essentially, the Kansas City Star reports that Les Miles and the Kansas Athletic Department essentially paid the young man to go away. He, he received payment to, to leave the program and go away. And I guess the assumption here is the exchange was that he would not talk about what, what took place there at Kansas, some alleged mistreatment bad behavior by other kansas players against him and obviously you know the kansas city star is is not an insignificant accuser here so that's a bad look for miles long and the entire you know university based on what went down here it's also a reminder of me of listen i don't think there's any greater breach of trust than when a coach acts badly and boy there's been a lot of accusations going back to miles time at, at lsu now at kansas here with all of this 
that Miles just has some bad behavior in his background. And as I said before, you know, you'll hear me on this show. I revere coaches, not just the Georgia coaches because I'm a fan, but just it really it's even, it's way more important than that. High school coaches, other college coaches. I, I do believe, and you hear me say this all the time, it sounds corny, but I don't think there's any better instrument to build up men than taking boys and putting them through the, the the process of playing football and having them be impacted positively by coaches and come out strong on the other side. And I think it's one of the most tried and true institutions we have in the entire world. And because of that, we put great trust in coaches. And when a coach goes out there and acts like a knucklehead, which Les Miles is accused of doing here in, in some fairly serious situations, it's just such a grotesque breach of trust. So, um, Obviously, everybody feels the same way about that. A very, very tough situation kind of coming out of Kansas and all of that. And you just sort of hope some of that stuff ends up kind of just not being true. All right. Uh, a few more SEC through type stories to get to here for a moment. Um, so Ed Orgeron uh, has spoken out. He did an interview with uh, a guy named Mike Tatillier who covers uh, football there in Louisiana. Talking about his quarterback competition. And one of the things that that Orgeron kind of brings up here, talking about the quarterback competition in a little bit different type terms than some people sometimes do, in relationship to obviously not wanting to reveal is gonna be Max Johnson, gonna be Miles Brennan. But one of the things that that Orgeron does say is we know who the best guy is, insinuating insinuating the players themselves already knew that, and then saying that everybody else is gonna find out soon enough. It's almost a little different. This may just be more honest than what the average coach says. But it's almost a little bit different than what we sometimes hear of, hey, we're going to throw them out there, we're going to watch them compete, and then we'll find out. No, what Orgeron seemed to be saying, if I'm taking his quote correctly, is, no, we kind of already know, and pretty soon we'll put it on display for you, and once you see it, it's going to be obvious to everybody. My assumption here isn't that Max Johnson's the quarterback for LSU here this season. Obviously, Miles Brennan's been in the program for a while. Brennan had a chance to win the job, make it his, and it didn't happen. I think Max Johnson's likely that guy, and if it's not, then LSU's probably not as good as I think they can be, top 25 level for this upcoming season. But uh, Orgeron, like a lot of coaches playing that QB situation, coy right now. But eventually, it's probably going to be Max Johnson, I believe, and I would assume that's what Orgeron means when he says eventually it's going to be obvious. By the way, speaking of LSU, another story to get to here just for a moment. So Sadiq Charles had a very interesting tweet that got deleted. Brody Miller, who covers LSU for a subscription website called The Athletic, uh, shared this. Uh, so what, here's what Sadiq Charles said um on, on twitter that, that got deleted former lsu offensive lineman saying since nobody wants to say it i will if you smoke weed do not go to lsu then he gives you a laughing emoji it's going to be blown out of proportion and used against you compared to how a lot of other programs handle that now what brody miller who covers lsu writes is a week after dare rosenthal you know rosenthal as the former lsu starting offensive lineman who is now transferred to kentucky let me see that i need to see uh, more of this if you don't mind uh, so Rosenthal, he says, a week after Dare Rosenthal, who I just told you is on his way to Kentucky, leaves LSU for what Miller calls similar issues, suggesting that Dare Rosenthal also had a weed problem. Um, he says, Sadiq Charles comes out with a strong statement against his alma mater's drug policy. By weed problem, I mean problem related to being able to play at LSU because of it. He said, Brody Miller says the tweet was taken down moments later. But what a strange situation there. As I told you before, like I want to believe in Ed Orgeron as a good coach because obviously he won a national championship in 2019. He's actually done well in SEC play even beyond that. 
But it does become more difficult to believe all that, the more drama that just seems to exist around LSU. Lots of opt-outs a year ago, transfer stuff right now, whatever's going on with Dare Rosenthal, uh, Sadiq Charles criticizing, criticizing the program for an aggressive policy against marijuana. I will point out this. This is one of those things that real life is different than social media. In social media, you know, everybody kind of jumps on LSU and says, get with the times, get with the times, you know, uh, you know, basically, you know, acting in relationship to the more I guess, uh, um, less concerned mood that seems to exist around marijuana in our current society. <laughs> I'm guessing that LSU's uh, weed policy, if it's as strict as um, Sadiq Charles suggested, is probably works with more parents than not because I think they kind of like the idea of, of that kind of oversight of their own kids, if I had to guess. But nonetheless, very, very strange stuff coming out of LSU and Dare Rosenthal, who what was already a very good Kentucky offensive line, the arrival of Rosenthal gives them one more a very good body on that. Let's roll on with our next story here. My show sheet's a little bit screwed up here, so just throw the next story up there. Uh, so J.C. Horn, <laughs> this is kind of interesting. So Horn, I guess, was helping Miami with the recruitment. And by helping, I don't mean he was like, you know, putting on like the Ibis and 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 cheering, you know, for Miami. But Tavares Robinson's there now. And I guess uh, Horn had vouched for Robinson as a uh, as a good coach. And in relationship to this, some South Carolina fans got really upset with Horn because Horn was talking up T-Rob at, at, at Miami as opposed to talking with the Gamecocks. And what Horn fired back on Twitter to say is this guy wasn't even considering South Carolina. It was down to two other schools. Uh, one of which was not the Gamecocks in all of this, and essentially said he was a Gamecock for life. I think in this case, I don't believe that Horn's done anything wrong, but it just kind of shows you. It's very easy to run afoul of the mob on social media from time to time, and I guess good for Horn for not taking it too seriously because he just kind of brushed it all off. But uh, J.C. Horn had his own South Carolina fans kind of coming after him a little bit because he uh, had bout backed up and vouched for T-Rob there on Twitter a little bit. Next story quickly here for a moment, Javon Dexter. We talked about Walter Nolan a little earlier in the show. Dexter's been on Twitter as of late, much the same way you've seen a lot of Georgia players with specialized hashtags and things like that to kind of push for Travis Shaw or uh, Oscar Delp or whomever else. I saw where Javon Dexter was on Twitter also making his pitch to guys like Walter Nolan as well. So it seems like Florida for now maybe kind of getting into the – you know, the same kind of stuff that uh, other programs are doing, using their own players, own recruits to try to make a push to to other uh, uh, recruits right now. It looks like Florida and Javon Dexter are kind of getting the mix on that. And that's our last story, right? For SEC through, we'll make that uh, your uh, your SEC through. And here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Pella Window and Door of Georgia, I want to give you a little brief taste of this. So yesterday, and over the weekend, you may have seen some uh, chatter involving a couple Georgia running backs, Kendall Milton, Kenny McIntosh, in the name, image, likeness era. Those guys are free to kind of uh, explore themselves a little bit and show their creativity off in a way that may not have been able possibility in in previous generations of the sport i guess one of those things is going to be a brand new show here on the dog nation video platforms at some point in time i actually to be honest they really don't know a lot about what kenny and kendall have planned for all of this but they did give us a little bit of a tease on this on social media so i wanted to help them out by sharing a little bit of this this is kenny and kendall dropping a couple of hints about something they may have planned take a look at this hey what's going on i'm kenny mcintosh and i'm kendall milton We've been working on a summer project we can't wait to share with you. Stay tuned, Dog Nation. We got something for you. So listen, I think that's really fun. I mean, I think that obviously McIntosh and Milton, like a lot of Georgia players, have terrific personalities. And so if they can be out there doing their own shows and – you know, attracting their own name, image, likeness, uh, revenue by doing so, then I think that's a fun thing to be able to see. And I'm actually really 
curious to see where guys like this allow their creativity to take them. I have uh, no telling what it may be like. So uh, coming down the uh, pipe here at a certain point in time, I think that's going to be a, uh, a fun thing to be able to see. I also want to mention this really quickly before we get ready to wrap up here today. I saw where um, uh, Bill King, who writes the Junkyard blog, who you may read on DogNation.com over the weekends on Sundays, he had an interesting piece up yesterday regarding a covid change that's going to become permanent that george is no longer going to sell you know programs like the books like the magazine play type thing they sell outside the stadium those had to go virtual last year because of the pandemic people didn't want folks touching stuff back then we didn't you know know how you exactly quite caught coronavirus and there was a fear of let's not have people touching more stuff than they need to be so there was no programs a year ago and i guess according to the junkyard blog from yesterday that that um, lack of published hold-in-your-hand program is going to continue for the upcoming season. And I have to say I'm a little bit disappointed about this. Now, I, I realize I come across as, like, once again, guy who grew up in the 90s who doesn't want the world to change. And, listen, I think in a lot of ways that's not quite what I am. You hear me all the time talk about the way that social media has improved the way we follow recruiting. We have access to players, their thoughts, and what we didn't have before. That's an example of modernization making things better, much the same way with the way the SEC network has all of these digital channels now. You can watch Georgia baseball, Georgia softball, or Lady Dogs basketball, whatever else. You can watch all of that all the time in a way those games typically weren't on TV in the past that you have, you know, that's another way that kind of the cool modern age we live in now makes things better. But not everything I would say is better. And I certainly can't fault Georgia for what I'm sure is a huge expense to print these programs. But I have to say, like, I think sports fans are by nature collectors. You know, I love baseball cards and football cards, things like that. I collect, you know, have, through the years I've collected ticket subs. Yesterday, I actually went to the NASCAR race, and I bought my tickets at the race. Most sporting events do not sell tickets at the ticket window anymore. Almost every sporting, because listen, while I may be, you know, a member of the Coastal Elite Broadcast Media, I still pay for tickets and go to sporting events all the time. Yesterday, an example of that. And now when you go to a sporting event, like the ticket's right there on your phone. There is no ticket window anymore where you just show up and say, give me two, please. Now it's all, you know, like scanning the phone, going in, things like that. But yesterday going to the race, I just bought my tickets right there at the uh, ticket window. And I actually was given, you know, two tickets and I have the ticket stubs left over. I've always collected that kind of thing. I'm also a guy like I've got a stack of Georgia football programs, you know, two feet high at home from like the 80s and all that kind of stuff. Players autograph and things like that. Just sports fans are by nature kind of collectors. And as we kind of move into a more digital age, no programs, no ticket stubs. I think some of those things that in the past, those of us that were growing up and loved to collect, you almost wonder what the next generation is going to kind of collect because, as I said before, I think sports fans like to be collectors, but there's, I guess, fewer and fewer things to be able to collect. But nonetheless, uh, interesting stuff from the Junkyard blog there on DogNation.com on yesterday. So as we get ready to wrap up, by the way, speaking of the NASCAR race, our golden shoe today, how about DeAndre Swift, Georgia running back? You see him here from his Instagram uh, sharing a moment with noted Georgia fan Chase Elliott. Chase did not have a great day yesterday, but obviously the defending NASCAR champion, Cup Series champion, back in his home state yesterday. A uh, huge turnout with him for fans. But you see Chase, the Georgia fan, talking to DeAndre Swift. Swift also drove the pace car. Now, there are not many things related to sports that I have a lot of experience with that I can talk about in this show, but I actually have driven a car around the track at Atlanta Motor Speedway. That's not necessarily an easy thing to do, those big high bank turns, things like that. Uh, so good for DeAndre Swift for doing that. I was at the race. I saw him. It was a really cool thing to be able to see. So DeAndre Swift, this is not like throwing out a first pitch at a baseball game. you got to really know what you're doing to uh, drive on those uh, turns. So uh, not a bad thing all the way around for DeAndre Swift 
Good to see him in Atlanta yesterday. By the way, lousy stinking Gators. How about Gator Hater Count to 110 days from now? We will see you tomorrow. Dog Nation Daily, presented by Palo Window and Door of Georgia. And on the podcast, time now for the R.S. Andrews podcast, Cool Down, where we will take your comments on both uh, Twitter and through the comment section at dognation.com. I've got some really good comments. I'll try to read them and kind of move through this kind of quickly today just because the regular show was a little, little bit longer than it normally is. But we got some really good stuff, and I want to mention a few of these things. Let me start on Twitter first, then we'll kind of roll over the comment section at dognation.com after that. Anthony uh, White reaches out to say that he's on vacation in Orange Beach watching Dog Nation Daily. That's really, really nice. The fact that much the same way that John Stinchcomb took time to join us on the show today from his vacation, the fact that many of you still take me with you while you go on vacation is certainly a cool thing. I hope... Anthony's enjoying himself and getting some well-deserved time off, and boy, it's just really nice to still be able to be a part of your routine, even when you are on vacation. I also appreciate uh, Chef0325, that's John Wayne on Twitter, saying that uh, I was correct when I recommended Creature Comfort's Lager, uh, Classic City Lager from Creature Comfort Beer. Uh, he says Classic City Lager is great. I'm, all, I'm I'm really happy to hear that. So many of you are so nice to support those companies who are with us. And the truth is, is like the way a lot of these relationships come about is because I am a big fan of it. And I am truly a fan of the, of the Creature Comforts beer, the Classic City Lager. Those folks do a great job. And they are very, very hospitable. They're in Athens. And now you can pretty much get their beers all across the state of Georgia, really in many cases around the country. Uh, just really uh, do a great job. But I'm Always going to be grateful for those of you that continue to support uh, those companies that help support us. And I wanted to mention this real quickly as well. So I tweeted something over the weekend about the Notre Dame game because it had come up based on somebody else's. People do those survey tweets where they kind of ask for something. And uh, it brought to mind for me the Georgia-Notre Dame game 2017. And for this is kind of interesting to me. And I'm, um, when I think of that Georgia-Notre Dame game, a game I was lucky enough to attend, and when I think about the the pivotal moments of that game, what comes to mind for me almost more than anything else is the play of Davin Bellamy. Of course, the sack there at the end. Lorenzo Carter was also all over the uh, uh, you know in the backfield for the Georgia defense all day that day there as well. It's really Carter and Bellamy that come to mind for me first. However, Brian Meyer you know kind of brings back up the Terry Godwin catch, and honestly, it's probably the greatest catch I've ever seen. And to think that I saw it in, in person is a really cool thing. But it's probably the greatest catch I've ever seen. And I, I guess I think it's kind of interesting that in my mind, it does not come up for me first in comparison to the to the Bellamy Carter thing. I guess I'd be curious to find out how many Georgia fans, if I say, hey, one image, one one moment from that Georgia Notre Dame game in 2017, what comes to mind for you first? Maybe more people do say the, say the Goblin catch and with good reason. Uh, it, it's interesting, though, that the first thing that came to mind for me was the Bellamy play, the Lorenzo Carter play. That was the first thing that came to mind for me. Over here on um, dognation.com in the comments section there, one of the things we talked about on Friday's show was the perception of Georgia's schedule and how the ESPN FBI data kind of pushes back against that. Uh, Montana Dog writes to say, Brandon, I did not listen to your podcast, but I have to push back on what you said uh, uh, above in the narrative. And what he means is what I wrote in the caption there at dognation.com. He says ESPN's FBI has nothing to do with strengths of schedule and is a reflection of that. That's not true. Uh, ESPN uses its FPI data to construct schedule strength uh, based on that FPI data. He says the dog's regular schedule, regular season schedule is weak after Clemson. We all know it. The number five FPI rating for the dogs about the strength of the team. Um, so I think the tough thing here is it's always hard to have a, a discussion with somebody 
on an assumed premise. He says he didn't have a chance, chance to listen to the podcast, which, listen, you know, people get busy. I, I can't demand that everyone listen to it. But sometimes the conversation is made better if everybody's kind of operating on the same playing field. And, you know, a discussion about what was in a podcast from someone who didn't listen to the podcast might not quite be the most um, efficient process. Uh, Smarts the man writes in to say that he would put Georgia's strength of schedule up against Clemson, Oklahoma, and Ohio State. He says Georgia will play six teams who finished the top 27 of the 2020 rankings, recruiting rankings uh, from the 24-7 sports composite. That's a good stat. He says Ohio State's going to play four of those teams who finished in the top 27. Georgia will only play – excuse me – Clemson will only play Georgia and Florida State. Oklahoma will only play Nebraska and Texas. He says, look at the recruiting rankings year in and year out. The teams on Georgia's schedule simply recruit better and have more blue-chip talent than the other teams in this list. He's absolutely right about that. He says, Georgia has the favorable schedule for the SEC, but acting like Georgia has a weak schedule is nothing but fake news. I almost agree 100% with everything that smarts the man says there. That there is this unnecessary attempt to grade Georgia on a curve or other SEC teams on the curve because I think there's so many people in kind of the national media are just desperate for this sport to truly feel national, to feel like something more than just a sport dominated by teams here in the Deep South, the SEC here in particular. So what Smarts the Man describes there with his data, that is data that is typically conveniently ignored, not because teams hate Georgia, but just because I, I should say not because the media hates Georgia, but because the media I think truly hates the idea that – most of the best teams in the country do play in the SEC. That just feels boring to those who live in New York or Chicago or L.A. or places like that. That's where the real bias in college football comes from is this fear that that college football is only a regional sport. So, therefore, you have to be like Heather Dinich and pretend that, oh, the Georgia schedule is so weak because the SEC East is terrible, whereas most of the reason why if people view the SEC East to be terrible, and I think she even has to stretch the boundaries to even make this be plausible but most of the reason why you think that is because you're comparing these other sec teams to teams in the sec and so therefore you draw that conclusion but if you were to take these sec teams as we do in bowl games all the time and the sec teams typically fare very well if you uh, were to pull those sec teams out put them in another league playing against lesser as smarts the man notes lesser recruiting competition then I think you would find out a lot of these SEC teams that seem bad by SEC standards would do just fine against a different schedule. I think that's exactly right. Um, uh, the other thing that Montana Dog kind of brought up was the idea that I used the word weak in terms of describing what some analysts have said about uh, Georgia's schedule. And while I don't think it's weak, I, I think that there was a little bit of hot, hot take stuff in the media last week about Oh, you know, look at Georgia after they play Clemson. You know, you know what happens after that point in time that there was some of that. This is, I would say, and Stone points this out, a more manageable schedule for Georgia than we've seen in the past. Stone writing this into the Dog Nation comment section there as well. And, and that's undoubtedly true. I, I guess the, the point of what we talked about on Friday on the show was, is we've said that now so much. I think it's important to note that at least the ESPN FPI right up the other day actually confounded that opinion a little bit when it points out that you know Georgia Florida what was that like the number four game in the country this season 
at least on the basis of preseason FPI ratings, that that uh, Georgia Auburn shows up as number 12 on that list because Auburn is actually a preseason top 15 team on the basis of, of the FPI. That while I think most Georgia fans agree with what Stone wrote in here to the comment section, that, hey, after Clemson, it's a fairly manageable schedule. We've said that ourselves many times on here. In terms of high-profile games, though, ESPN's FPI write-up from last week, and I did put a link to that when I post the show on Friday, ESPN's FPI write-up actually suggests that Georgia plays a little bit more high-profile games, especially from the start of the season through October 30th, than you might expect a team to be playing who is generally thought to be playing a manageable schedule. So I think it's an interesting debate, interesting discussion. I'm glad we were able to have it. Also happy to know we're able to have that right here as part of our R.S. Andrews podcast cooldown as well. Thanks for sharing your thoughts. Reach out to me on Twitter at DogNationDaily or in the comments section when the show is posted at DogNation.com. We will read them here. And, of course, I'll remind you to check out R.S. Andrews online at rsandrews.com. They'll get your air conditioning unit tuned back up to factory fresh specs. You can find them online at rsandrews.com. Have a great day. We'll see you tomorrow for Dog Nation Daily, presented by Pella Window and Door.